Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of Amateur Hour, a professional sports podcast by people who have never played professional sports. I'm your host, Max, along with... Treyas. And let's talk a sports. Amateur Hour! Welcome, welcome, welcome back to episode 33 of Amateur Hour. Wow, Shrey, 33. How does that make you feel? I feel like Larry Bird. Oh, it's our Larry episode. Well, that's a great thing because we're going to be talking about quite a bit of Celtics, if we will. Uh, So, without further ado, let's dive right in. Let's get the good vibes rolling and get into the weekly highs. The Weekly Highs. All right. So this week I have the Weekly Highs. And my personal Weekly High is that I got a haircut. Ooh. But, yeah, there's only one slight problem. It's <laughs> when I went to the barber. And listen, if you guys are ever in the Massachusetts area, go to In The Cut Barbershop. Tony cuts a mean hair. I'd like, ask for Tony. He's great. He works a little bit slow, but the the the... What he lacks in the speed, he makes up more than enough for in quality. Oh, in my pre- God. In precision cut. In precision cut. I mean, my, I, it is – I got a little bit of a fade. It is crispy. It is crispy. Yeah. But the only problem is, is I didn't remember how long it was the last time I went to him. And so he just said – and it was, it was raining that morning. I had just literally driven through, like, puddles and lakes, and I was all confused, a little razzled. And he's like, what did we do on top? Did we do a two? And I wasn't thinking, so I was like, no. uh, uh-huh. <laughs> so I went through, and when he did the first couple, you know, like just strips down the middle of my forehead, I looked yeah. over in the mirror, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Wait, so that what did you happen? Get, did you get a two on the side? So is it like all even, or is it a fade on the side and a two on the top? It's two on the top and it's faded on the side. Now, multiple people have said this is either my, you know, this is like my deployment haircut. It looks like I'm about to, <laughs> like I am enlisted. And I'm literally about to deploy. Like multiple people came up to me and they're like, oh, yeah, you look like you're in the army. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> so you got that 10 hut look to you. Ah, uh, you know, I really, I really do my best. About face. Yeah. Hup. <laughs> All right. So that's my personal high. Nothing too crazy. Uh, but yeah, I you know look good, feel good. So for my sports weekly high, this week I want to give credit to this Boston Celtics' very own Peyton Pritchard, or Fast PP as some like to call him. <laughs> Fast PP left the summer league for one game. Uh, so there's there's four, you know, regular like season, you know, quote unquote season games that they play, and he wasn't there for the third one because he was playing in a pro AM league and dropping 92 points on the heads of grown adults. It was, I mean, this dude was pulling up from downtown. He did whatever he wanted. I mean, 92, is he better than anybody in the league right now? Because I think he might be. (laughs) 
Yeah, he's so he's he's better than everyone in the league, dude. He, he, he might be game. better than LeBron. He might be better than LeBron. <laughs> it's funny because I think on the other side was Mike James, who was also, you know, he was bounced around. He's a veteran in the NBA. And I think he he dropped like sixty something points in that game too. Whoa, so between God. the both of them, they had in a, albeit a pro am game. I know we went you no, know, balls to the wall when when Isaiah had eighty one, but oh, was Shreyas? He, I mean. <laughs> You got to be no. Okay. It was really sad to see him. I know last week or the week before I was a little harsh. I was a little mean. I said enough of this Isaiah Thomas to the Celtics stuff, but he is a person. And it was really like hard to see him. So upset after that game being like the league. I agree with that. I agree with that. uh, I, I, I don't. And I I said this once uh, after, I don't think I ever said it on pod, but I don't like how, the internet hypes him up and then when he gets on a team they just kind of quiet down they're like oh like they just forget about him right and then say he like like when he went on the pelicans like everyone was hyping him up like oh the pelicans need a guard they all these guards got hurt like lonzo's hurt everyone's hurt right yeah and then they get isaiah and they're like yeah like isaiah's back like and then i don't think i heard anything any clamoring or like for him to come back when he got dropped from his 10 day same when he was on the Nuggets and then he got dropped from yeah. his tent. Like, there, he's been on teams and people don't care when he doesn't get re-signed after his 10-day contract. That's what I'm saying. And he's had NBA chances. And I don't want to say, I don't want to be that guy that's like, well, he's had a chance, so he doesn't deserve it. That's not, that's not what I'm saying at all. But he, especially on the Pelicans, I remember, I watched that closely because I was like, wow, IT's really getting another shot. And he was on a 10-day. He got playing time. You know, uh, some of it was scrub time. But he came out, and he's just so small. He's so small. And in today's NBA, when you have point guards like LaMelo Ball and Cade Cunningham, and you have short guards, quote-unquote short guards, and like Ja Morant, and they're, he's 6'5", how is a 5'11 dude, who albeit is strong and athletic, but how realistically is he going to guard them for extended periods of time? Right. And that's – I mean, the, his play on the court is one thing, Max, and I think – that's something that he's he's always thrived regardless of his size, right? So he's, you know, sure. top three in MVP voting that one year with the Celtics. For sure. But for me, I thought it's like, I don't know, there's, there's like a level of pride that you have when a player does well, right? And then right. like the internet sometimes is like, oh, like for my own sake, like my own personal you know, hype and my own personal fame. Like I'm going to post stuff on, you see bleacher post stuff and all these like, you know, unverified hoop accounts and stuff post about like, get this man to the league. And then mm-hmm. they, they quiet down when he's not in the league anymore. And I kind of hate that because like we said, he is a person. So like, yeah. if you're going to hype this guy up, don't Be just hype him, him up when he's right. not been in the league for a while. And he needs like, now he needs a job. Like hype him up throughout the tenure he's on a team if he gets on, right? Right. Right. And then hype him up and like praise him. Like, hey, like give this guy another shot when he gets back. Don't just be like, oh, like I haven't seen Isaiah Thomas in a while. Let's start posting some Isaiah Thomas content because that's really selling right now. Like I feel like that's a lot of these accounts nowadays. That's why I don't like, I don't know. I don't like to talk about him too much. Although because like I, because I want him to do well. Like if I feel like, if I'm just posting to get my own name out there or if like 
if I just retweet be that stuff. guy. You want to be, be right. You know, people are like, oh, I'm that guy. Like, I'm I'm IT's biggest fan. Like, IT back to the Celtics. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, people don't come come the regular season. Yeah, I totally agree, Shay. That, that that come the regular season or literally come two weeks from now, they'll forget. Nobody's going to be talking about it. No, in they two will weeks, forget. Yeah, forget. Yep. So like, yep. I don't know. I just like these are just waves and phases. Like, I honestly hope the man like continues to like thrive whether it's in basketball or not right and right, right, right. i'm like i'll view it from the lens of you know whatever he's doing like obviously the media is going to keep posting about it but i'm gonna take it and i'm not gonna like i don't know shove it back in people's faces just because it's out there yeah and like totally it's i don't know i mean all obviously i don't have the followers that these hoop accounts do but i, I feel like more people should kind of take that approach Hey, all I want to say is that our Instagram is up to, I think, 64 or 65 followers. So okay. I am impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed. If you do not currently follow our Instagram and you have an Instagram and you want to see our fun episode art and some other things, maybe a couple of reels, a little bits from the podcast. Ooh, la, la. Yeah. You can follow amateur underscore our underscore podcast at Instagram or yeah, on and Instagram. Don't, and don't forget to on Instagram and Instagram. In Instagram. In Instagram. <laughs> Pick your preposition. We don't care. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, too. You know, we post out polls every now and then. And then whenever the content is dropping, we're also on Twitter. And Absolutely. That is at amateur HR pod. So, you know, go on and do that. Do that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we really appreciate it. We're building a nice little community. Um, you know, it's really great. Some of like, you know, my friends and people I talk to regularly are fans of the show. And it it's so, dude, it means so much to like hear that people listen to even, and you don't have to listen to every episode, but like if you catch a little bit here, you catch a little bit there, like that means so much. And we really appreciate everybody just being a part of this like journey for, with us. You know, like we started this because <laughs> we like sports and we wanted a way to just sort of like, encapsulate how we were feeling it's a great you know i look forward to the podcast every week it's just nice it's an hour where we sit down and just speak our minds you know what i mean but it's, yeah, it's, love, it's fun i love i love when we can you know kind of just be ourselves talk about yeah. sports shoot the breeze and right. if people like it that's just like an added bonus i i do this because i you know i love to talk to max and we just have a good have a good time have yeah. a good chemistry so yeah. It's clear. It's great to see other people also, you know, get in on that action as well. Exactly. And, you know, we I, I like to think that we, we well, I, I don't even like to think like we pride ourselves on being a sports podcast that isn't really heavy handed. You know, there are sports podcasts out there for, you know, specific sports, specific leagues and things like that that are very heavy handed with a lot of the stats. They really go. And that's a great thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking those at all. Mm -hmm. Those are great. If you are like passionate about that. Go check out some of those pods because if you really want like breakdowns into the numbers and the things like that, but we focus on the stories, we focus on the people, we focus on the narratives, we focus a little bit on the drama, the gossip, the tea and stuff like that. But it's, it's for hardcore and casual sports fans alike. And it's just great. It's like I said, so thank you to everybody for being a part of the pod. It's great to have you. Thank you for listening. We love you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Enough of that. Too sappy. Uh, so yes. So just again, to reiterate my weekly high fast PP dropped 92 points, which was great, but Shrey, it wasn't all roses and champagne for PP and the Celtics. 
Let's go right into the lows. <laughs> the lows. Yeah, so I guess I'll start with the sports low. And just to kind of, you know, add on to what Max was saying, great segue there is, uh, you know, those darn Celtics. They, <laughs> they, they had a really good summer league. They had a really good, you know, start to this little preseason thing. And good start. Good start. Like love, like Neesmith was playing well. Pritchard's playing well. Yep. And they, they, they won every game that they were in the summer league, and they made it to that 4-0. summer league. Yep. The championship. Was championship huge. game. Championship game. And the Kings, man, kind of you know put put it to them, and they they <laughs> the Celtics lost by thirty three. <laughs> thirty three. The final score was sixty seven to one hundred. Yeah. And I think in that game, the I mean, it's summer league, right? Like you can't like these are people trying to make a roster spot. Take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. Right. These are people. You're going to see players play hard. And a lot of these players are either rookies that need some sort of that game action, NBA game action, or players trying to prove themselves and, you know, try to get a roster spot. And the Celtics are kind of in this weird mode of they don't have a lot of those players. So they had to kind of bring back the players that they had played a lot of playing time during the during the regular season last year. And so that was like, you know, Neesmith, Pritchard. Right. Those are people you've already seen a while, like throughout the season last year. But the big thing that Max that I really saw from this was Davion Mitchell, man. I think this guy is going to be a, a stud from the get-go on the defensive side of the ball. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you could see it in Baylor during the tournament when he just shined and he basically locked down everybody that he guarded like literally legitimately everybody that he guarded had trouble dribbling the ball like doing fundamentals because he was and he he just he knows how to play defense he has the instinct he doesn't foul a lot to see that now you know going into his little bit of nba action and lock down a peyton pritchard that had 92 you know everyone had to do pro-am 92 peyton pritchard scored 92 and he scored like four or six points in the summer league championship game because Davion Mitchell basically clamped him up. Yeah. Like, you can only tell. Like, he's going to have a little bit of growing pains, you know, because there's going to be, like, LeBron and KD and, like, I don't know who he's going to be asked to guard, right? But knowing right. that he's a good defensive player, it's just going to be – it's just going to be time before, you know, he becomes – all defense. Even one of the one of the one of the best defensive guards in the league. Yeah, he has the potential. I first mean, he's team starting all defense out, right there. I think first team future. all defense. He's got yeah, like you said, Trey. He's got the hustle. He's got the heart, and he's got the IQ. Man, his positioning. And you know, we've talked about this a bunch of times about how you know I think defense is a lot of hustle and a lot of just like you know staying in front of your guy. Like you know, there's 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 nuances. And things like that. But, you know, when you have a guy like this who can, like, combine the yeah. hustle and the staying in front with some excellent hands. Oh, he has with some excellent aggravate. Like, you know, he, he's a pest, too. He's he not is. just guarding you and staying in front of you. Like, he is reaching for the ball. <laughs> yeah. Like, you need to have your handles correct yeah. if you want to get by this guy. And look, every good defender gets beat. But, man, did he. I mean, Peyton Pritchard who dropped 92 in the Pro-AM, came back to the NBA, basically, and dropped four. Yeah. I mean. Insane. 
and it and we talked about this when the draft when the draft happened max and we were like you know how's davion mitchell gonna fit because it seems like they're already set at guard they have fox they have halliburton they have heel right right they already have those kinds of you know ball handling type players shooter players i think you just saw what he can do like i think there's a there's a spot for a guy like that on any team so i don't think i think you can play him in any set i think you could if he has the ability to guard one through four or one through five like i don't i think you could play three guard sets i think you could put him on the second unit with like a halliburton and just wreak havoc on second units in the nba like that's a special type of guard just defensively like halliburton's a good defender mitchell's a good defender you i think you could play some anywhere and yeah he becomes he becomes a really good player in the nba so maybe some of those doubts that i was having about the fit and you know just having another guard are are, are he's already show, he's already showing you yeah yeah reasonably calmed right now i think i think he's just gonna have like a great impact and defense isn't always needed we have a lot of offense in the league if you're a stud defensive player for sure like for sure that's yeah. always needed in the league so keep it up davion yeah. <laughs> yeah, give him props. Well, I honestly, Trey, I think this kind of turned into a high for Davion Mitchell. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> again, I just want to reemphasize that the Celtics got blown out <laughs> by 33 points. And that Pritchard, who, and that's what I'm saying, is that when you look analytically at people who drop 90 and 81 and 60 in Pro AM games, it's not the same as the league. It's not the same. It's mm-hmm. not. You're playing against other guys who are like 5'11". Yeah, like Isaiah Thomas, most of his highlights. And again, I'm not going to discredit him because I can't do that. You know what I mean? Like he, he's an incredible ball player. Like I, I it, that just has to be said. Right. But he's going up against guys who are his height, sometimes smaller, sometimes slightly bigger. And he's cooking them because they're not NBA caliber. They're just like regular dudes who are good at basketball. Right. And so dropping, you know, that absurd amount of points needs to be taken with a grain of salt. Because, again, you see that when you get to the NBA, there are dudes who, I mean, they sleep and breathe. You know what I mean? Like, you're in a pro-am league, and if you're not getting paid, like, you have a job, you have stuff that you go do. You know, the NBA, some of these guys, this it is. It's their life. So. Yeah. And, and I, they're the I, best of the best. They're the best of the best. They're the best in the world. So. I'm yeah. hoping. I'm hoping Pritchard, you know, bounces back. I don't know uh, what other NBA action there is before the season. Oh, but, like well, they have? Do they have? Do they still do the Orlando League and stuff? I'm not too sure. I was actually wondering the same thing myself. It's like what we can watch before the actual season starts. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. But don't don't get it twisted. Don't 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 get me wrong. Like I am still very high on Peyton Pritchard. I think that with the right playing time, I think the new coach is going to be great. I think his rotations are going to be a lot better. He's going to understand what his guys do. And he's going to be able to, like, put them in during the right times. Like, is everybody perfect for every situation? No. Jason Tatum isn't perfect for every situation. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so really knowing and understanding your personnel and being able to adjust based off of what the other team is giving you and based off of what you need to do at the time, I mean, that is an underrated skill as a coach. And we saw a failure and a lack to do so, or, like, you know, a lack of this with Brad Stevens. Yeah, especially at the end. I think he lost a little bit of his touch in game in game management and i feel like a fresh set of eyes can always help so 
he was because remember when he first when Brad Stevens first came in, he was like the king of the out of timeout play and the he knew exactly when to guys check stop out this momentum. inbound that I just drew. <laughs> guys, all right, it's it's bound to get us two maybe three points. All right, and then after that, well, we might still get steamrolled, but to start, we're gonna be okay. <laughs> And and now it's I don't know what I'm doing and we're still gonna get steamrolled. Oh my so, god! Brad Stevens is literally just like a deer in the headlights, like, <laughs> and just just gets like blown. Like there were some games again. Everybody forgets. Like after the season is over, people have amnesia. But I don't forget. I just there were some games that were so painful to watch, so painful. Yeah, just because like you see and you're like, wow, we have the talent. Like we are losing to the Sacramento Kings right now. What yeah. is up? No, it's there's just so many of those games where you you're coming off a high of like a good win, and there's a bad loss, and it just kind of deflates everything you thought about the good times, and it, it just it just sour it just a sour taste. It leaves a sour taste in your mouth. So I hope, yeah. and I hope the fresh set of eyes really does this team justice. I'm I'm always a little bit concerned that because Brad Stevens is still on the team, that he's still going to have some effect on how this team is coached but if you know if the roles are if i do see the roles correctly and everything stays the way it is on paper and he's just more focused on team management i think the fresh set of eyes will really help with the mayudoka totally totally absolutely all right so we're gonna get in we're gonna dive into a little bit of celtics talk now we've talked about the Celtics. i mean look if you're listening and you've listened to us for a while as you know we love to hate to love to probably hate to love the Celtics. We it's a very complicated relationship. They are we were dating. Uh we broke up, got back together a couple times, miscommunications on both sides. You know, they started seeing people. We did too. It just it's messy. It's messy. Our relationship with the Celtics. We hope, did we it hope get, they're still committed to us the way we're committed to them. We're committed to them. You know, it's been it's been hard. It's hard to see <laughs> them get you know we we just want to see them we just want to see them live up to their full potential you know you just you're kind of this like innocent bystander you're like oh man like this this behavior is just i don't know like is this gonna lead to good things or bad things and you're just kind of sitting in the wayside you're like i hope they get back on track because i don't know yeah i i I totally agree so (laughs) what happened this week is two very large extensions. Mm-hmm. Well, t- uh, yeah, I, no, I can't even front. They're large extensions for two of our role players. So Marcus Smart and Robert Williams both <laughs> respectively got the bags. Marcus Smart, four years, $77 million. Yeah. Rob Will, four years, $54 million. Mm-hmm. Wow. It begs the question, what are we doing? <laughs> because last week (laughs) last week i was convinced i was like the celtics are making moves based off salary so that Mm -hmm. we can you know this is going to be an intermediate year so we can free up some space for hopefully not bradley beal but a larger superstar to bring in build a big three start building whatever version of a super team we can get right and then they go ahead and do this Mm -hmm. 19.25 mil per year for marcus smart and just about 15 per year for Rob Will. 13 and a half for Rob Will. Thir- 13 and a half. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Um that's a lot of money for both of these guys who are 
dedicated role players, albeit they do some of their jobs very well. They do some of their jobs and not so well. Mm-hmm. Are they championship caliber players? We don't know. That's remained to be seen. Um, Treyas, how do you, <laughs> how do you feel? So, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put this, I, I feel like, yeah, this is like a therapy session for me, Max. How do I feel? Talk, talk to me. So I, I have my notes I, I'm, here. Yeah, um, I'm going to, I'm going to having nightmares. I'm going to lie down for this one and you know, <laughs> kind of stare at the ceiling and, and say that. Okay. It's a lot of money for both of them, for both of them. It's a little bit less money. I guess when you put it into perspective for Marcus Smart, considering, you know, if he were to go on the market, he could potentially get a, you know, a, a, a contract, contract, a contract yeah. of this caliber. Like, yes, yes. Right. Like we were thinking, or I was thinking originally like 17 million, like that was something that was in the range. I didn't expect more than like, like 19 million, but regardless, like that's something that, that happened and it definitely was in the cards. Yeah, it, it was very likely that Marcus Smart was going to get extended. I mean, a lot of people saw him more of as like a potential trade piece. Yeah. So do you think actually, Trey, with that in mind, do you think that us signing it for 19, 19.25 mil, do you think that is a competitive contract where we would still be able to not get rid of, but trade him for a different asset? Well, it's interesting because we talk about him being a tradable asset, right? And I feel like in a lot of these deadline discussions that we've had and offseason discussions that we had, at least the past year, right, last offseason and then this past trade deadline, Marcus Mark's right. name has come up a lot, right? We've heard him in That's a fact. Yeah. offers to the to the Hawks. And I think that was the... To the, 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 the Rockets Spurs. for I've James seen, Harden, the Spurs. Yep. I've seen a Spurs one. So, like, his name comes up a lot because right. you look at assets on these, on this team, and smart seems like the one that is is trade is the most tradable because of he's he's basically on the court all the time, right? And right. so availability is the best ability. Yep. And then yeah, hardly gets hurt. I mean, this dude. Yeah. We got to give him credit where credit is due. This dude is tough. Like you'll see him like go down, take a hard fall, or take a hard hit, and he'll like you know clutch himself in pain for a little bit, maybe walk off, but then the dude's back. Yeah. Who comes back like 15 minutes later and like you think you're like, oh crap, he, his knee just went backwards, season ending, comes back, walks it off. You're like, wow. When he's out for a period of time, then you know something is really bad. Like last year, he was out for a significant period of time. Yeah. And you knew something was like that he doesn't come out r- relatively easily. So that's one thing is that like he plays a lot of minutes, he has a skill set that you find as a team that you can really, you know, fit into as a role as a role piece i think sometimes he has an inflated sense of self and i guess worth on a team when he starts pulling threes is that yes i mean that is that's exactly (laughs) what i'm saying but also like i feel like sometimes you know his he he doesn't keep it all together and you got to show your emotions you got to wear your heart on your sleeve when you're a player like that right when you put your body on the floor but sometimes it comes to a fault and you know it gets frustrating as a fan when right you know marcus smart is yelling at people in the locker room and especially the chairs yeah especially the players that you want to keep for a long time you don't want to mess up jalen brown and jason tatum right so it's interesting like you pay him a lot of money do i now think this this player is more tradable I don't I don't like looking at it like that because 
Okay. I don't think okay. that you should be signing someone to a long-term extension expecting that contract to be traded because that's just like a Schrodinger's cat situation. You're like, is this trade under the box? Who knows? Like only when I lift up the box, like only time will tell with that type of thing. So I don't think Brad can, or if you ask Brad, right? Like he's not going to say like, oh yes, this is such a, this is a great team contract because we could trade Marcus Smart. I think Brad legitimately believes that Marcus Smart will have will stay throughout the contract and in the case that he gets traded in the like in a two off seasons for bradley beal or you know some sort of deal like that like that just kind of happens because bradley beal wanted to come here or the player you know it like things just fell into line but you can't say now that like oh this is a contract that's tradable that means as a fan you didn't want him (laughs) That means right. it's a bad contract. If you're immediately right. talking about the contract being a tradable contract, that means you didn't want him for the amount of years that this contract is worth. Right. Which is why like, could, why couldn't we have given him? Right. Why couldn't we give him a two or three year? Yeah. Or because his future, his future is debatably up in the air. Realistically, like, like that, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we only have so much time with the Jays. Right. My biggest fear right now with the Celtics is that nothing is going to get done while we have the Jays. We are going to fail to, or they just won't want to resign. They're going to go somewhere else and they're going to dominate. That is what my fear is. That is, that, that is definitely a fear that Celtics fans should be having. And it's, are we doing enough to, you know, ease any of the qualms? Yeah. Yeah. Ease any of the qualms because you, you want to kind of appease your best player, and that's Jason Tatum, right? Right. It, it's tough to say, right, because that's how these superstars get an inflated sense of egos because these teams do everything for them. But because it's a superstar-driven league, you have to see if Tatum can continue to take steps, right? He's already improved every year. You still see there's some flaws, right? But you can't say that, like, he isn't yet a star player or there isn't a chance that he could elevate the team. Like that still has to be seen. So you got to potentially just continue to keep lifting him up to hope that he can at least be that type of player, right? The, the KDs or the, you know, Paul George, those types of players that legitimately will take you to another level. So you got to, you got to continue that path. If he leaves, you're starting from the beginning. Oh, so, and, it, and we go full rebuild. I mean, it's full 2012. It's going to be sad. Yeah. It's full 2012 because we have such great talent with JT and JB. Right. Maybe, honestly, and we also might have to come. Another fear of mine, realistically, with the Celtics, another fear is that we might have to come to the realization that the two aren't going to win a chip together. And I don't mean that with any disrespect to either JB or JT, but we might have to actually trade one of them if we want to win. We might have to make an adjustment where, say we you know, decide to ship off Jalen Brown, right? We mm-hmm. get a cat-type player, right? Or we get a, just another dominant big man. Now you have dominant bigs, hopefully of a floor general, and then JT. I mean, that's a big three that a lot of people could get behind. But at this point, and we're so set on holding on to both of these players, and I'm not saying that we should do it because I love both of them tremendously, 
but we might need to open up the possibility of like losing one of them in order to rearrange our team before we lose both. That that's definitely in the future, Max. And I, I agree that that may have to happen if the team figures out that, you know, this really isn't a mix that can continue and we have to get whatever value out of. And I would say if that has to be the case, then Jalen Brown is the player because I think upside wise and I guess status in the league, right? If you upset someone like a Jason Tatum, that can hold a lot of weight to other players that want to come here. Right. So, and all of a sudden we're not, all of a sudden we become like not a free agent destination. Which I don't know if we were in the first place. We got a couple in the past, you know, five, six years, but. Right. We're well, more- people will argue, yeah, that because we were able to land Gordon Hayward, Kemba Walker, Kyrie, that we are a free agent destination. But it's, it's, just, it's just never worked. I mean, and consider and consider all the other names that were also available at the time that these players were available. Normally, these are second or third options compared to some of the other names that I would never even dream of consider coming to the Celtics if it weren't a trade, right? So Jason Tatum is a player like one of those players or close to that realm of player, that superstar status. Whether you like to think of it and not as a player on the court, he ha- he ho- his w- his name holds weight in the NBA. Yeah, and so, people are people are are already putting him in that conversation of top fifteen, top ten, top five forwards. You know, people people yeah. are talking about him like that. That is a healthy and reasonable debate to have right now. Yeah, and, and I pro- I probably wouldn't put him in. <laughs> I definitely won't put him in the top ten yet, but. People, if people are having that conversation, they already think that highly of him. So you're right. doing whatever you can to appease the talent, right? And that's what you're thinking about right now. When you talk about Jalen Brown being one of the steps, I still think of that as a future step, as a, at least a couple of years in the future. But right. I think we need to make peace, like changes to this team that are altering the framework without completely dismantling it right and and flipping it over we still have to see what we have with those two but absolutely yeah something that something that would have you know actually been that type of move you know right a little just chipping away is a marcus smart trade and when we talk about this contract we're going back to the contract he's on his last year he's in a contract year he's making 14 mil right 13.8 mil this year yeah there's a lot of people that would want on an expiring contract, Marcus Smart for one year, right? With the ability to resign. I'm assuming if he gives his word that like, hey, I'm going to resign here, like, fine, you can trade me here. But that would, you know, give us an asset, right? Because if he says, I'm, I will resign on this team, we get some better asset in return. And right. that is one of the players that I feel like that is an asset towards moving forward kind of shifting from this current framework which i feel like we're getting to a point where it's kind of reached its pinnacle like that easter conference finals game seven i don't know if this current framework will ever reach that again so i'm feeling like there has to be some sort of smaller shifts that need to be made that isn't just bringing everyone back and trying like that's like the boston bruins theory and i we've talked about in this past where it, it's they, not they just yeah. keep bringing back the same guys so they have the same core and that same core has been there for 12 13 years and 
they in the early part they won a they won a championship, but it's been over a decade since they've won a championship. One, yeah. and they they and came that's a close Tuka Rask a couple question. Times. That was the Tuka Rask question, right? And they've Is come you, close you... a couple times, but it just never has fit the bill. And I feel like the Celtics are kind of getting there. It's like, well, how many years can the same team be run back? Right, like I don't. All right, see all right boys. Either. All right, boys. Listen, listen. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna gather everybody. I want everybody to sit around. <laughs> Look, I know for the past five or so years we haven't won anything, but if we all stay, we can run it back. I promise. All right, no changes need to be made. We are perfect. We know that we're right. perfect. Look at me. Look at me. Look at each other. We know that we're perfect. All we got to do is just win this time. That's all. <laughs> we don't need to make any changes. We just gotta win. Okay. All right. So I think that's good. That's fine with me. If you guys are good, let's just run it back. And if, you know, we don't win, I mean, we'll win. We'll win. But if we don't, we'll just run it back again. No big deal. If not, we'll like, just put up another logic. banner that's that says, logic. we tried to win <laughs> in the practice uh, facility. Just about, we that's tried how this I year. feel. Trace, I swear to God, that's how I feel about like the the Eastern Conference final. Yeah. Like, like, oh, we made it. We made it to the Eastern Conference finals. I definitely think. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> dying down trumpet. It definitely feels like it definitely feels like having that success come early. And I think we've talked about this in previous pod. Having that success come early has I don't know hurt either the view on this team, right? Because now we think, okay, they can, this team did that; they can do it again. But like you know, the set of particular set of circumstances that that team went through, it didn't come back like. It, it, it just hasn't fit the same way that that team did, even though Kyrie was out at the time. Gordon Hayward is out at the time. Now, I'm feeling like we've kind of lost that same spark that we had with those young guys because now they're older. They got, they've increased in value. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're just better, better players now. Right. And now it's like, okay, yeah, we're better individually, but the team hasn't really felt that, that same thing. And I feel like in, comparison you look at what milwaukee has done right and milwaukee they stuck with chris middleton and Giannis for eight years and those are two te- those are the two players that continue to stay loyal to their team right throughout a lot of heartbreaks they made it to Eastern conference finals against toronto and lost right. and like that could have been a celtics type scenario but they continue to make moves like they had Eric Bledsoe and they kept him for a couple of years, but they knew it wasn't working. And that's a player where you were like in Milwaukee, Eric Bledsoe was a, like, he was, the, he, he was, was the Marcus smart. He was the Marcus smart. He, he was, was Marcus smart. He was like a defensive, like tough guard who can sometimes play in the post who has like pretty good passing stuff yeah. like that. Everybody's like, Oh man, like Eric Bledsoe, Giannis Middleton, like this is our big three. Like this is our like great point guard. Yeah. And here's the thing. Who was the champion this year? It was Milwaukee because they had the cojones, for lack of a better word, to make the changes that they need to make. They got rid of the chaff. They cut the chaff. Yeah. Instead of giving Eric Bledsoe a four-year, four $77 million contract. They knew they had to upgrade that position. Eric Bledsoe wasn't working, right? You could tell that his play had slipped a little bit. And they knew that, okay, we need to get someone that has something to prove or wants to win, right? And those two fit the bill with Drew Holiday and, you know, adding someone like P.J. Tucker on the defensive end. But Drew Holiday was the key. Like, that's the type of move where they gave up a lot for this guy, right? They gave up multiple picks. They gave up Eric Bledsoe. 
and then they just kind of went all in on him and then right. they he got they got rewarded by making that type of decision even though at the time you when Eric Bledsoe was on the team you can't say he was horrible you could say he was his play was slipping but he was great for those first couple of years right he right. was a guy where you were like oh man like this guy is just gonna be a pest like he he has the ability to hit the mid-range he hits his free throws like like this is a good solid point guard but they made the decision that we're just gonna go all in and regardless of if we're gonna overpay for like in terms of asset they're gonna overpay with picks and players for a guy like Drew Holiday yeah, they went out and did it because they knew it's the best for their team. And I feel like the Celtics have never really taken other than Kyrie. I will give them Kyrie. That was a huge risk where they gave up massive amounts of picks. They gave up picks. They gave up players. And one of them being the, the lottery pick to Brooklyn from Brooklyn. But other than that, they haven't really gone out and in midseason, like done something where it's like, oh, like, I know that this may be like overpaying or this may just be too much but we just got to get out because we need the player and i feel like they think more about the money and the asset and how it uh, will affect the salary cap at some point well that's what i'm saying is that getting yeah, the I player mean, first well you're right and that's what i'm saying is that making moves making roster moves based off of the standpoint where oh we're just trying to help maintain the salary we're just trying to not go over the luxury tax like wow rah, rah. that's a yeah. weak position to be in. That's not. It's not a championship mindset. If you're like, ah, I'm worried about the money. Like, no. Like, you don't understand. Like, I know that we're not the biggest market in the world, but man, how do the Lakers and how do the Nets? It doesn't like. There are always exceptions. Yeah. There are always players who, if you're building a winning culture, and you're like, we're going to get this. We're going to get this and win. There are players who are going to be like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come join you. Right. I mean, that, that was a Patty Mills scenario. Patty Mills was like, I'm actually either going to Brooklyn, New York, the, you know, one super team, or I'm going to L.A., another super team. Yeah. He ended up in Brooklyn because, well, again, th- both of those teams and franchises are building winning culture. And Patty Mills is like, well, crap, I want to be a part of that. And Max, they I mean, those places have some sort of destination quality to them, whether it's the players that are already there or that it's a location that people want to go to. Right. So. Right. That's something that we don't have. So you have to expect that coming, you know, knowing that players like, you know, whether they be role players or, you know, mid tier or even superstar type players, you got to expect that like, okay, we're going to have to overpay for some guys. And it may just look the optics of it may look like, oh, like that's a lot for that type of player. But once you get the player in the system, if he fits, you you could care less whether that whether you know, that turns into the number four pick or the number five pick, because if you can get the player that ends up re-signing or he wins you a chip or something, that's like a huge deal. Right. So yeah, that's something where it's like, I, I don't know that mindset hasn't been there recently where I feel like we're hoarding even not only financially, like, cause, and you know, the pandemic has hard capped a bunch of teams and, or the, the league basically. So they couldn't go above a certain right. amount of money, but, and even in years prior, finances have still been an issue. But now it's it's more just been about the assets. Like we ha- hold on to all these picks and we hold on to all these middling, like, you know, mediocre middle tier players that we have enough of. And we don't say, OK, can we package any of these and get a player, one player right. that could do all of this? 
Uh, yeah, but and, again, you need to. Yeah, but Treyas, you need yeah. a team to win. You need a team to win. It's not just about and in 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 that whole like, well, we're gonna pursue one player to like make the difference. That's also a standpoint that I can't really get behind because that's a lot of the stands right now who are like, let's go get Bradley Beal. Like he's the, he's the missing piece. No, no, no. I don't. I don't. I don't mean it like that in terms of like putting all your eggs on the table for a player. I mean, for, when a, okay. I mean, like when you have the assets and you're trying to you know, make moves during the season or in the off season, right? Not to just say, okay, we're going to use all these and see if one of these will become homegrown and then it'll just be cheaper in the long run. But let's find a player that fits our bill, right? Not just kind of like honing in on a player a couple of years out. And that's like something right, right, right. that we'll also go over, but honing in on a player a couple of weeks out. But like getting a player for right now that fits because we have the assets to get that type of player. Right. And then finding a bunch of options that'll fit the bill and then going after them and seeing if your, pro- if your package works. But I feel like we just use all these picks that we're ending up just paying out these guys because like Marcus Smart and Robert Williams, because we have nowhere to turn to all these players that are ending up picking other places that we're like, oh, okay. I mean, like we got to have a team, right? And so Marcus Smart's there and Robert Williams there and we can't let them go because those are assets that we could use in the future. And now you get into the Bradley Beal debate and you're like, oh, we got now we got to put all our eggs in the table and, and eggs in this not, basket and yeah i mean i i'm skeptical about that too because again if we're if you want to look at the money he has a massive contract and then that further limits like what we can do so if you're making it's just like at this point what i would like the Celtics to do is to pick a lane and i want to say are you going to make the you know if are you going to be like a little skittish and make moves based off of salary whatever that's you know what honestly like if you're going to commit to that that's fine but then you have us giving massive contracts to rob will and marcus smart and then you have the rumors about us going after brad beal and imagine in two years we have the massive brad beal contract we have tatum and brown we have smart and rob will and everybody has these bloated contracts we have no room to acquire any more pieces and now we just have to pray to god that we you know have a pick we got a steal in the draft or that our rookies yeah, just somehow fully fledge themselves. It, like Brad Beal could choose a different place. Like he could say, "I I don't want to get sign and trade to to Boston." <laughs> like if he says that, right? Like he says, "Oh, there's a better offer out there." Although Brad Beal and Tatum are friends, right? Tatum right. could say, "Like I'm not I'm not going to stay here all that long." Like I think it's just best if I'll find where you are and we'll we'll hook up somewhere else, right? So. If he doesn't pick here, now you have these contracts, like you said, and now you can't trade him for anyone of of immediate value, of that type of value that you expected, right? Especially as fans expecting it. So now you've got to just think like, okay. Yeah, in the current term, these are players that you are going to keep for throughout their contract. And what do you think about that Robert Williams contract, Max? Because we've talked about Marcus Smart. But Robert Williams is the one that I was really surprised on. He got a lot it. of money. He got a lot of money for 25 minutes a game. He got it's, a lot of money for a guy with no jump shot. It's uh, a lot. I, sorry, it's a, I, it's a lot of money, and I, I feel like I'm being a hater. It's just, it's just, I, I just still remain confused as to like what our goal is. Do we really? I mean, that what that contract tells me, what that Rob Will contract tells me, is that we are all the way in on Rob will we're like yeah. man we're gonna we're this guy is our center for the next four years yeah and like yeah he's made huge strides but yeah he's not that guy he's not that guy you're not he, that guy pal you're not that he, guy Trust he's me. not 
<laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> He's not it yet, definitely. But it's 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 interesting. Robert Williams, you could have you could have waited, obviously, right? And you could have seen what's on the market for him. You he is your best young asset. But he's only started what is it, thirteen or thirteen or so games in three years. And he's played less games in those three years that than Jonathan Isaac has. I, I checked that out. And Jonathan Isaac missed wow. a whole year with the torn ACL. Yeah, total games in the last three years. So wow. And part of that is usage, right? Like Brad doesn't like playing his rookies as much. And he had to kind of, you know, he was kind of forced his hand to play Pritchard because he, he didn't have guard depth. But if it was up to him, he would have probably like almost redshirted Pritchard and like he did. Which is, which is dumb in itself. Yeah. Like it's not the NFL. Like you don't just redshirt kids that are first round picks. You got to see what you have in them. So, <laughs> but 13, 13 and a half million AAV he's making you know his his base salary is increasing in every year in this extension yeah I don't know like it, like you said the amount of minutes that he plays there is a concern with injury which is key like like I I, I keep saying this and I feel like a broken record but availability is the best ability availability is the best ability I mean Trey you're not wrong you're not and, wrong and that's the thing and he you can see the talent like he is immensely talented he knows how to on the offensive end coming from he's definitely become an improved passer he's understanding better where he needs to be offensively yeah right he still has a ways to learn defensively he we he gets caught on pick and roll a lot we talk about it a lot his timing is really good from a post presence standpoint right he blocks a lot of shots he understands how to challenge people and you can see that because he has a lot of games with like four or five blocks and he's just a really like people don't want to be in the paint when Rob Williams is in the paint and they don't want to shoot over him. But when that's happening only 20, 20 games a year or 30 games a year. Right. And you got to worry about the back and you got to worry about his, the, his the blood clots in his legs. Yeah. yeah. Then you're like, is this the type of player we, we want to kind of wait out and see if he makes a, improved step in the first half of this season and i feel yeah. like that's the type of situation like i i feel like you could have done this contract halfway through the year or at the based end of, off the year. of how he's performing yeah right right like you could have just been like hey we'll pay because this is money that he would have probably accepted halfway through the year i'm not i'm being like this is not like some like hmm, i'm gonna have to think about money this is like 13 and a half million for the prior knowledge of rob williams is a is a lot. I think it's he's paid in the top of half of yeah. centers. Like what? He, yeah, he's like I think this contract. I think AAV standpoint, like it puts him above people like Rashawn Holmes and Brooke Lopez and Wow, like, it's above Splash Mountain. Yeah, those types of players where you're like those wow. are sol- solid players. Those are on the ver like they're really good players. Those are like double double or they've been on really good teams type of players and they play a lot of games. I don't know if Rob Williams is there yet. He could prove this contract to be good. Like this could be a good bet that Brad Stevens made. I don't see it yet, but I think we'll know coming off of this first half of the season, if this was a good bet, if he starts to play a lot more games and a lot more minutes, then we'll know, okay, yeah, this is a good bet because he's playing upwards of 27, 30 minutes a game. 
But I don't know if that's going to happen right now based on what we've seen. Right, right. You know, Shrey, I didn't think about that. That's a great offering him this contract halfway through the year based off of his performance. Yeah. I mean, that's, and like you said, you know, he's, he doesn't really seem like the ego type to me. Like no, he, no, no. He, I don't think he's going to be that guy that's like, you know, oh, I actually deserve more. So no, and I'll see you later. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's not, and, and it's just, we're really giving him a lot of money for, and I say it again, and people are probably like annoyed. They're like, stop saying championship caliber center, but he's not a championship caliber center. He's a good role player. He's a good like backup center. He's a good like forward hybrid. Like when you need that shot altering yeah. lob threat for the 20, 25 minutes in a game, you know, that that's great. He's your guy. Like that man, can, this man can jump out the gym. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And like you said, he's improved on his passing and stuff like that. Doesn't have a jump shot though. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, as long as he continues to play well at what he does and, I feel like it's more just about him being on the court. Like, I think a lot of the basketball stuff will come. We see it. Like, we're not making any, you know, we're not hating on his talent of any sort. Like, it's not like, oh, we don't yes. see what he's out there for. Like, we know what he's out there for. He provides a level of athleticism that I don't think anyone on this team has. Like, including Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. Like, Rob Williams I feel like has the most athleticism on the team, pure athleticism on the team. And I can get behind that. Yeah. Like just in terms of like how like long he is, how high he can jump and how tall he is already. Like that's just a combination that's lethal. If it play, if he played the amount of minutes that I feel like would, you know, be right. Like be worth the contract he's getting. Right. Right. No, I, I agree. So we'll see. It's not, they're not the moves that we expected or Mm-mm. wanted or asked for, but we'll see how it pans out again. Yeah. I'm still high on the new coach. I'm still high on the development of Pritchard Naismith. Lankford is another case where he has talent. I just don't think he's going to stay healthy. Yeah. I swear to God, he's yeah. not going to stay healthy. I mean, this man missed so much of his college basketball career because of injuries. And the fact that we drafted him 14th overall, knowing that he had injuries and he's been hurt for the majority of his NBA career. It it, it feels like a broken record with that too. But and like you said, Max, I mean, I I do want to dispute a little bit. You said that you don't know what path. I think I clearly can tell what path they're going with. And it's this, the same. Oh, like, yeah. Like, I think, I think at this point, like, you can solidify that the Celtics are continuing to stay on this path and that's the path they're going with. Like, I feel like before when we didn't know where smart was, was going to happen to smart and we didn't know who was going to come in and out that we were like, I don't know. Why, why did we do the, like, what are we doing with Al Horford? Like, what are we, why did we trade Moses Brown? What are we doing with Josh Richardson? Like, I don't, I don't see kind of that vision right but now. Clearly like those are just kind of ancillary pieces and we're sticking with that core and, I don't know. We'll see if they if they if they made the right decisions, it'll be based off their play and the contract will look like, oh, this is some like really cheap contracts for how they're playing. But if they don't, then that's going to be a lot of money to lug around for the next four years. So that's a fact. That's a fact. All right. So before we get going, I want to talk about something else, a really fun bit of viewing that me and Trey did over the past week or so on Netflix. 
there is a brand new special from their their series called Untold. And mm-hmm. it was a special on, it was about an hour long. It was a special on the Malice at the Palace. Now, for those of you who don't know, I'll give you just a brief recap of the Malice at the Palace. Basically, the Detroit Pistons and the Indiana Pacers, the Pacers were on their way to building like a great team. They're on their way to pursue a championship with Reggie Miller's last year. They're like really trying hard. They have some great talent in Ron Artest. They still have Reggie Miller for veteran presence. They have... um Jermaine O'Neal. Jermaine, Jermaine. I forgot his first name. They have Jermaine O'Neal, and they have they bring in Steven Jackson. So they have some great talent. They're going for it. They're in Detroit at the Palace, which is their arena. They're playing. Uh, it's a, it's they, I mean, the, the Pacers blew Detroit out, like blew them out. At the end, Ron Artest gives a hard foul to uh, Detroit superstar Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace and him kind of get into it. It's a regular tiff, right? Mm-hmm. But... A fan in the crowd throws a cup at Ron Artest. Ron Artest is livid. The man jives into the crowd, starts fighting with people. He misses the guy who threw the cup and starts fighting somebody else. Now, this is bad. Now, fans start, like, coming down, and most of the people have left except for the ones who are drunk. They start coming down closer to the fight. There's a fan that, like, Ron Ron Artest gets out of the stands. He starts, like, walking back. A fan approaches him with a clenched fist. Ron Artest duffs this guy in the face. Then Jermaine O'Neal comes over, is, like, starting to, like, punch people. It literally was a fight with the fans in Detroit. Crazy, crazy experience. But what I liked about this special is it gave a lot of the whole story. gave the backstory on the players. It gave the backstory on what happened. And Trey, I just wanted to like talk to you about what you thought of like the whole incident as well. Yeah, so we were pretty young when this happened, but I can definitely remember watching ESPN around the time and every second was clips of that fight and that brawl. And it's just like you saw it from a media standpoint only, right? And you were like, holy crap, you just think of this as a, a disgusting terrible thing terrible like why are people doing this like but at the time you can also tell like like fans are as as much as fault as the players right even at a young age you can tell like why are fans throwing shit at players like that's just stupid yeah but the media took it and they talked about this a lot which i really liked was they spun that whole media narrative of like the thug image and the hip hop image, which is just honestly another way of being racist, being racist. Right. Yeah. Which now looking at this, at this whole, this little do- documentary documentary, you're like, Holy crap. Like this was how, like a race thing. Like, how did people this were how, being? Yeah. Like, how do you get away? You can't get away with that. Like, like, I don't know how people at the time also were like, like, uh, like, but also like now we're more vigilant in this, in this new age, right. About what those terms what they're really trying to say behind what reading between the lines between the lines. And you think about like what people's perspectives are, what their motives might be and what they're right. Really trying to say when they start putting like labels on people. And one of the things that I was shocked by is that legally in the court of law, they found out they like the players were tried like Jermaine O'Neal, Steven Jackson. And because Steven Jackson was going to back up Ron Artest because he was like, his whole thing that he was saying, he's like, if you are my people, like I'm going to back you up right. all the time. Like I am going to ride with you. Yeah. And so Steven Jackson fought some of the fans too, because they were going after our test in O'Neal. And like, mm-hmm. he was part of that like group. They, the three of them were tried in, in court, in criminal court. And they were found not guilty. They, they, they said in court, they proved that they had the right to defend themselves, that the fans yeah. initiated oh. it. 
But that's something that you'll never hear about. And that was never the narrative. They never talk about how these guys were like in some ways not in the wrong and in some ways in the right. They had a right to like defend themselves. Yeah. And I I really liked how they brought up that the NBA was like also like David Stern was in this mode of he has to keep this his own image, right? Like if he blames the fans for anything, that's going to, you know, be bad on his back and on his, you know, bottom line. Right. Because who pays the bills? Because who pays the bills is those fan tickets are a lot of that, all of that revenue. I mean, they're part of that revenue. And if, if they, he says, oh, the fans were at fault and, you know, they should have done this and he backs up the players, then he's like hurting them. But he can do whatever he wants to the players because he's the owner of, or, you know what I mean? He he's runs the, manager the league. Of the enti- yeah. Right. He runs the league that they end up having a job in. So he, so him kind of saving his own skin by handing down these punishments without and and he said he said it was a unanimous decision for all of these punishments he said it was me and he said he said one to nothing i think he said was the vote on it and and because it was on the court right so if because it was on the court he had the ability to make the decision by himself to suspend ron artest for a full for the rest of the season right to suspend Jermaine O'Neal for, I think he's like 25 or 25 or 30 games or something like that. Like these are significant amounts of time and a lot and a, like so many game checks, right? Like this is like getting hurt and being out a full season, but you don't get paid for any of it because it's something you did. So I just didn't like now looking at it, you're like, wow. The, okay. Beforehand you were like, that's a lot of time. Like, they were part of the brawl, like, you know, as a kid, you're like, they're part of a brawl, so it makes sense that they got suspended for a long period of time. But now you look at it, and you're like, that's fucked up, because it's <laughs> it's more the fans trying to rile the players up and almost, like, trying to get them, like, as it's almost like throwing a peanut in the zoo and expecting, like, huh, like just, like, just kind of watching them. Like, that's what they think is it's like, oh, we're just animals, yeah. right? That was the, yeah, and that's the, that's the other thing, too. And you, they saw, they interviewed, like, you saw clips of the guy who threw the cup. So yeah. the original instigator. Oh, And this yeah. guy was so unapologetic about what he did. He was so, like, like, it felt like it was that interview, right, that they showed, it was like, he felt, like, kind of pleased with himself. He was like, oh, I think he said, like, how do you feel that the other guy next to you got beat up? And he was like, oh, a sigh of relief. I just wish that I didn't. I, w- I just wish I put my foot out there to trip him. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy had uh, no remorse. Like he said, he was literally proud of himself and what he did in like starting this huge fight. He's like, oh man, I wish I could have punched him right square in the jaw. You're like, what? Bruh, uh, what? The guy oh had gosh. no remorse. And that's the thing too. I mean, Trey, you just you just mentioned it. It's like to, to treat NBA players, you know, I hear this sometimes and it just makes me mad. They're like, oh, why would you watch a, why did you watch professional sports? It's just a bunch of, you know, crazy millionaires that are that are big crybabies and they're just getting paid millions of dollars every second. Like it just it, 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 people seem to forget that these are, again, also people. A lot of them right. have come from right, like unfortunate backgrounds for like lack of a better word. And these guys have like taken something that they can hone their skills at and worked hard enough to create a platform, to create some status for themselves, to get money and create a better life for themselves and their family and then give it back. Yeah. To their communities, to 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 their schools and colleges. Like that's huge. These people they're they're a lot of them are like great people for what they do. Like Robert Covington, 
oh my God, that man gives so much back. Literally gave a million dollars just like off the cuff to his old college for them to build a new gym. Yeah. You know, and these, these guys take their time to like teach and educate and give back. I mean, I watched yeah. a video of Bradley Beal talking to, I think one of his teams. And he just talked about like how you guys have to like keep your stuff together on and off the court. Mm-hmm. He said like where, you know, sometimes where people like them, where they come from and how they're raised and with the racism and the, you know, all things like that, like they don't get a second chance. Mm-hmm. And so they just have to like, you know, play the game, but you know, play it well. And by the game, I mean like the whole system, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and um, that goes, that goes for the fans too. Like keep your stuff in and out of the arena. Like I feel, I, I just don't ever understand how a fan can go further than, you know, booing or the light heckling. In and an that's NBA fine. Game. Right. That's yeah. Like, you get heckled like anywhere. Right. It's, it's, it's verbal. You know, it's not nice. It's not, yeah. It's like, not nice, but you can, you can, if you don't like somebody, you could be like, Hey, I don't like you. Just be that, smart. about Just being smart about it. Right. And, like to and you see, can still be, yeah, yeah, to see that happen in an NBA game, to see that happen in any sort of venue, right, public venue, where there's so many more of you as a fan than there are the player, and you and you think it's cool to to throw stuff and to like people got seriously injured, and in this and it was at the yeah, yeah, and it was at the fault of the fan because. In- they didn't take the game seriously enough to just view the, get the experience, view it, and then, you know, well, go or on, on their the merry way. Side, Trey, I mean, we talked about this last week or two weeks ago. They took it too seriously, and they felt like they were entitled to be a part of this. Yeah, that too. Which they're not. Like, yes, you are the fan. You are what we make this sport, you know, viewable on such a large scale for. But you are not. You you are not allowed to be personally affected by the outcomes of these games. Like it has nothing to do with you, but people take everything so personal. I mean, yeah, they think whatever they can do at their own home, they can do in public. And it's just not. Well, right. I mean, you see, I mean, you saw this past year and like in the bubble, like people during the playoffs, like throwing stuff, not in the bubble, but like this past year, throwing Mm -hmm. stuff at spitting at Trey young, throwing stuff at Russell Westbrook, the water bottles. It's the same thing. Water bottle at Kyrie, like booing Kyrie is one thing. Throwing something, kid who, yeah, a kid who was like, you're kind of a, you know, a jerk if you're going to throw a water bottle. But for sure. Well, no, but you also see this like on a smaller scale in people's homes. How many videos have you seen of somebody like punching their TV, their own possession that they paid hundreds of dollars Mm -hmm. for because a sports team lost a game? Like, no, they're so beyond involved with this stuff. Yeah, whatever they can, they think that they can punch their TV. Now people think they can punch the NBA player that's (laughs) behind the TV. Like, like they just bringing that same fandom. And at that point, it's just idiocy. Right. So to see that actually happen in a game in every stage, it could have been calmed down in the mouths of the palace. It wasn't calmed down. Like at every stage where it felt like, okay, this thing is diffused. Like it got, it got on far enough. And then something else happened, and it's and it was riled up by a fan. Like a fan throws a cup, then Artes goes in. The fan comes in and punches our uh, or ready to like you know he put gets into a stance and ready to to square the up. Punch, with, yeah, yeah, square up with Artes. And then they they have him in the the documentary, and he's like, they lost a loyal fan. And I was like, oh my god, that guy's like, you're yeah. I was yeah. like, uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. 
sure <laughs> sure be, that there are so many other better pistons fans than you are so i'm i'm kind of happy that they lost you <laughs> right and he's in he's literally karen he's like i won't be shopping here anymore all right <laughs> cool <laughs> like that we, you know we're a multi-million dollar industry like your business it we don't want yeah, yeah, they we don't just wanna, bring yeah. in bring in the next season ticket holder like there was so Goodbye. many other people yep. that would have been like normal civilians that would love to pay the same amount of money and have a good experience at a game. Like you wouldn't do that. You, you, if you hated a movie, you wouldn't go up and punch punch the the projection, like the projector, like because you hated the movie. Why are you going to do that in an NBA game? Like it just seems like psychotic at that point. That's I I I totally yeah I totally agree. It's again, we love sports. Yeah, but you can't be a jerk about it. You can't feel like this has anything to do with you. Mm-hmm. because at the end of the day sweetheart it doesn't yeah so chill so chill yeah <laughs> facts yeah yeah all right well that just about does it for us folks <laughs> um yeah i hope everybody has a great rest of their day shrey i hope you have a great rest of your day you've been listening Sa- to another episode oh well thank you <laughs> i was gonna say i was gonna say i was gonna say hey, max but And I just cut you off. (laughs) What a meanie. All right. You've been listening to another episode of Amateur Hour, a professional sports podcast by people who have never played professional sports. I'm your host, Max, along with Shreyas. And we'll see you next time. Peace.